Welcome to Frontline Nursing, a NurseMinder production that gives you an insider's look into the daily life of nursing from those who are currently working on the front lines. Whether you're considering, whether you're considering nursing as a profession, you're a nursing student or a nurse in transition, this show will give you information about new patient populations that can help give you the behind the scenes information you need to help guide your career. Today we are joined by Lindsay Azur. She's an LPN who works in the operating room and she's also working as a cannabinoid therapy educator. Welcome to the show, Lindsay. Thank you for having me. It's exciting to be here. Yeah, I, I really enjoy catching up with people. It's been actually a long time since we worked together. It has been, yeah. I, when you said seven years earlier, I couldn't believe it, actually. I was just like, wow. Because <laughs> it feels like yesterday. You know, when you get older, everything feels like yesterday. I know. It seems like yesterday I just finished nursing, like my nursing program at Norquest. And it, I'm going into like my 15th year now. Oh, isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's crazy. That's amazing. So speaking of nursing, um, 15 years ago, what brought you into the profession of nursing? Um, I've always been... Um, somebody who's been interested in medicine to some degree. I remember when I was little, I was going to be a veterinarian. I was going to be a doctor. Nursing was never something that crossed my mind because I was like, well, it was like, then you're just the doctor's assistant and who really wants to be that? And, and then I was going to be an ophthalmologist and there was just, it was always something to do in the medical field. And, um, as I got older, I kind of got swayed a little bit into the arts and I actually, when I graduated high school, was going to go and do graphic design. I had all my courses, was all ready to go, um, and then took a couple of years off of school, and my girlfriend um, went into nursing, and I was looking at her courses and stuff, and swayed me back into nursing, and here we are. <laughs> oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. I think nurses are creative by nature. So having that interest in creative, like the, the graphics part doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. I've always been interested in music and painting and all different various forms of art. So um, it didn't surprise me that I was going to go down that way and like maybe take a business degree or something to go along with it. But yeah, I got swayed back into nursing and, and I'm glad that I did. It, it suits me. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. And we got to meet. So this is awesome too. Did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I last worked with you at Norquest as we were teachers there and it has been seven years since, but most interesting enough, you're now in this new industry in cannabinoid therapy education. That's a tongue twister. I know. And I have to say it multiple times a day and I hate it. <laughs> Because so I always get twisted up. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk a little bit about what that job is in terms of nursing. Um, well, medical cannabis has always been something that's been around even before recreational cannabis was legalized. And um, I have worked in various areas in nursing throughout the years and became unemployed in the fall. And this just happened to come up on Indeed. And I was... I've always been interested in um, alternative forms of medication versus Western medication that we typically see in hospitals and stuff like that. Um, I do feel that, and in my own opinion, that um, alternative therapies are not utilized to what they could be utilized out here in the Western side of the world. So when this came up, I knew it was going to be 
a bit of an education curve for me because while I may have utilized for my own personal reasons, um, I've never actually been in a, in a nursing situation where I was utilizing it for patients and those kinds of things. And so um, I applied and they, um, with all of my extensive background through the years they hired me on, and I've now had to take quite a few different certifications and I'm learning all about this one plant that does like a bazillion different things that, and they still don't even understand what that all has, like what all of that entails. So I'm still learning. And even people that have been in the cannabis industry for years are still learning new things. So um, I'm enjoying it because now I feel that I can look at my patient and take all of the things that I've used over the years as a nurse and put them into practice. But now I'm also taking an alternative form and I'm actually treating the person holistically and I'm seeing the benefits and I'm seeing good results from it. And so as a nurse, that makes me feel good because I'm able to do my job with how I want to be able to do my job. Mm-hmm. You bring up some really important pieces there about alternative therapies. And, you know, we've always had those conversations in our nursing practice, in our nursing schools, talking about, I think primarily we were referring to more like the Chinese therapies and the herbal therapies and things like that. But really, alternative therapies needs to be broader. And I can certainly remember the first time, and it wasn't that long ago when it became legal and it started popping up in the hospitals on the floors with students and people being open about using cannabis and kind of that shock factor. It's like, what do I do with this? How do I respond? This is just not normal. This is something new and foreign. And so it's an important discussion to have. Yeah, It's an important discussion. And I also think it's important that, you know, nursing students are looking into how cannabis reacts with the pharmacology of other medications and stuff. There are contraindications and no, it's not just for, it's not for anybody. We have to look at people that are on certain medications and those kinds of things. And we also have to look at the mental health aspect of it. And is there a family history and those kinds of things as well with cannabis and, um, and make sure that it is going to be a suitable therapy for that particular person. Now, that being said, just because you're on a Uh, mental health medication for depression or some sort of mental health disorder that doesn't mean that we can't prescribe it to you it just means we need to be a lot more careful with it so are there any drugs in particular that just come to mind um, that you could share with the listeners that they would want to be looking for compatibilities or contraindications Um, antihypertensives or heart medications are a big one any of the antipsychotics we want to be careful especially with lithium um, being one of them, um, uh, those are the two big ones. Obviously, if you're breastfeeding or planning to become pregnant in the next six months, we look at that kind of stuff. Um, diabetics, we have to be careful with CBD because, um, both in the heart category and the diabetic category, um, patient category, um, you know, those are CBD is known to lower your blood pressure and lower your blood glucose. So, you know, we don't want to bottom you out in terms of blood pressure and blood sugar. So we have to be careful around those ones. We do treat diabetics and we do treat people that are on antihypertensives, but again, we need to be careful. So 
Mm -hmm. When you say CBD, I'm thinking oil. Is that correct? Yeah, but it also comes in flower form as well. Meaning, okay, so this is a complete noob here. <laughs> <laughs> flower form meaning the dry. So there's milk. many ways to consume your cannabis. <laughs> One of them being flower or the actual like bud that you see that everybody is accustomed to seeing. Um, you can get strips sprays, capsules, edibles, oils, like there's just many, many ways they're making topicals now, which are great for people who have got osteoarthritis. So there's many, many uh, ways of consumption and there's many different like cannabinoids, thousands of cannabinoids within the plant that we try to like focus or utilize. And each one is kind of good for its own thing. So Okay, well, that was an, a massive education, just that for me. So <laughs> I know some of you be laughing at me listening, but <laughs> I want to have this conversation because I don't know anything about it. And I think a lot of people are in the same position and yeah. how it impacts our patients. So, yeah, yeah. And I think it's good to get out there and be like, this is, this is, you know, kind of what it's about. And, um, we treat like the clinic that I work with is Canada House Clinics. And so we treat, uh, we have a high veteran population. So of course, a lot of that particular population deals with a lot of mental health and a lot of chronic pain and a lot of post-injury stuff. Um, so we, and you know, and they've been through the gamut with all kinds of treatments and medications and stuff like that that hasn't worked. And so they reach out to us and I have seen night and day results person that is coming in who's not able to walk without supports and stuff like that and they get on cannabinoid therapy and within that like within months they've already seen huge huge differences in their life they feel like they've got their life back again you know like they're going to be that person that they once were and you know there's going to be some different some changes obviously but they're able to manage those changes now Mm -hmm. I, I hear those stories all the time too, which is why I'm super curious about it. I do have people in my family circle who use um, medicinal marijuana. I don't know what forms they take it in. And I remember having quite a stigma and a judgment towards that when it first kind of came out and people were talking about it. I was like, oh, what, you? Like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know if we can be friends. <laughs> and I was the other the other side of the coin, it was, I've always been conflicted because as a teenager, I've used cannabis since I was younger, off and on through the years. And, um, and then I became a nurse. And of course it was like, you don't do that. Like we don't do that kind of thing. So it's very hush hush. And the stigma is definitely still out there. Right. Um, because it's been, it's been ground into us since the drug on war, um, episode in the States, like, but cannabis has been around since 500 BC in China. Like it's been around for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think people need to re-educate themselves on cannabis and know that it is a safe drug to use, obviously within your limits. And as well, as long as you're educating yourself, but it comes with any risk, just like any other drug does. And, um, you know, I, I've seen really, really beneficial type things from it. So I can't argue with it anymore. And now that it's legalized, I, I don't care. I'll tell the whole world about it. So. And that's what I think is great. I think it should, I mean, really on a personal level, I think it should have been legalized long ago, even though I had 
you know, my own personal bias towards it. Mm -hmm. A lot of that though comes from media. You watch TV, you watch movies and we're all the bad guys. They're the ones doing alcohol and drugs and doing all that kind of stuff. So the media has given it such an image that created. They have, but the media needs to change it because there's a lot of research and results on cannabis right now that do help with people that are having um, substance abuse problems as well. They'll, they go, people reach out to um, us and be like, Hey, well, this person's got a substance abuse issue with X, Y, and Z substance, or they're, you know, they're overusing alcohol. So cannabis is the way to get off the alcohol because of the way it binds the, to the receptors in the brain. Mm-hmm. So it what cannabis does is brings everybody has an endocannabinoid system within themselves, right? And when that system goes out of balance, then you start having problems with mental health or chronic pain or different things. So when we're able to give you cannabis and bring that system within your body back into balance, then you you do see the difference. And a lot of people just go on CBD because they don't want to have the psychoactive effects of the THC, and that's okay. And other people will take CBD through the day, but they have trouble with sleep, so we give them a little bit of THC at night, and they, they sleep through the high. They don't necessarily have to be high. The point of the cannabinoid therapy is not to get you high, it's to treat the symptoms that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you mentioned the THC. Again, another newbie question. I've heard about THC and I've also watched some shows where they've talked about the medicinal marijuana today is void of THC. And that I think, and you're going to correct me here, I think what they were saying is in the original plant with the THC, there was almost some protection against mental health illness. And maybe that was some of the causes, the fact that it's missing is causing some mental health issues. Yeah, it does have THC in it though, but it's on different um, percentages. So Um, we work with different licensed producers and they all grow their different strains and they all put their own names to the same strain that the other guy does. (laughs) And they all have their different ways of growing it. And everything about growing the plant is actually what is going to affect how that plant, what that plant actually produces for you. So if it's a CBD or if it's THC and what those percentages come out. Everybody knows about CBD and THC per se, excuse me, but they don't have, um, they don't, they are still learning about all of the other cannabinoids in the plant, right? Mm. And how those affect. So you've got CBDA and THCA and different, like there's different chemical components in that plant that affect different things and cause different reactions in the body. So you never, CBD is never completely THC free. Some people think, oh, it's just CBD oil. There's always going to be a scant amount of THC in that plant, but there's also going to be THC. Sometimes you can get CBD and THC at higher levels and they balance each other out. So the CBD will cancel out the THC so you don't have the psychoactive effect but you're still getting the benefit of both of those cannabinoids. Which one makes you high, the THC or the CBD? The Delta 9 THC. Okay. When I say THCA, that one is prior to it being heated or decarboxylated. And once you heat THCA, it turns into THC Delta 9. And And that's 
that's the one that has the psychoactive effect. Okay, so heating by smoking it, is that? Yep, so okay. smoking it will combust it at a higher temperature, so you actually lose a lot of the terpene profiles in the cannabinoids or in the cannabis plant. And what a terpene is, is it gives the cannabis its flavor, but it also acts with the cannabinoid and they work together. So linalol, which you would be familiar with as lavender, will have a very sedating effect, right? Um, and it'll taste like lavender or it'll smell a little bit like lavender. Um, other things like lemonine is um, citrus. It's, it's exactly what it sounds like. And it's a very uplifting. And um, so if you think of your aromatherapy scents and those kinds of things, that's kind of what a terpene is in relation to cannabis. And so all of those things work together. So when you smoke it, you actually combust it at too high of a temperature as to when we're vaping it and we actually recommend vaping it because it's aerosolizing, you're vaping flour, you're not vaping oil and you're aerosolizing the cannabis and you're getting all of those terpene profiles plus all the cannabinoid and at a lower temperature, it's much better for your lungs too. So you get a better effect then from the vaping versus the smoking? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Does one give you more a more consistent medicinal effect over the other? Everybody's a little bit different. So some people don't like flour as much as they like oil and others like flour more than they like their oil. So it kind of depends. Like everybody's endocannabinoid systems or system is different. And so I can't just look at you and be like, well, this is going to be the magic for you. Like it is a lot of play and trying to figure it out. And, you know, one person that is 120 pounds versus one person that's 300 pounds. The person that's 300 pounds may take much less cannabis than the person that's 120 pounds. Like there's no magic to it, so. I still can't get over the fact that I have an endocannabinoid system, so. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna be researching that tonight. <laughs> I'm like, wow, this is so cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I didn't learn in nursing. <laughs> I know, I know. That's why I'm really happy with this conversation. When you're working with your population, is this in the community or do you also follow them in the hospital and have to adjust doses or do you work with the clinicians in the hospital and educate them? And in the, strictly in the community and through the clinic. Um, if client is having issues or whatever, they, ha um, they can have a family member or a caregiver reach out to me if they're in the hospital or they can reach out to me directly from their side of things. And we will do a phone intake and we'll just kind of discuss what's going on. And then we can adjust dosaging or we can, you know, switch strains up or create a different treatment plan. That's all part of my job is trying to educate. And then I send them off to a prescriber and the prescriber overlooks my plan and says yay or nay and suggest otherwise if they if they need a different thing going on and then um and then we send the medical document off to the licensed producer the licensed producer gets them all registered and then the client is able to order their product directly from the producer what's the timeline for that process I come um, to you today i'm in chronic pain you're going to prescribe me something and then all that paperwork and those connections it could take up to a week. 
it's okay. not usually a week, but like if I was to do your appointment today and I got you a prescriber's appointment tomorrow, we'd send off the documentation by the next day. And that's just a matter of getting the producer to uh, review the document and accept it. And of course, it depends if you're civilian versus veteran, because there's a lot of other like red tape and stuff in there that we have to get through um, in terms of them approving the document stuff, but it doesn't take very long. Like I have my own prescription and I think it was within days. Like mm -hmm. it, it really doesn't take too, too long. And are the, okay, so there's two other people involved in that. You assess them, come up with a plan. You send that to the prescriber. Mm -hmm. Is the prescriber physician or is there a particular qualification they have to Prescriber's hold? Prescriber's a physician or a nurse practitioner and we have a physician's assistant with our clinic as well. So Okay. Um, they approve it. They send it to the producer? Or they give um, yeah, we have administration staff. So once the prescription is written, then it comes back to us. We stick it all together and we, we fax it off to the producers. Now, um, how local are the producers? Are they all Canadian or are they American? All Canadian. Canadian. So they span from one coast right over to the other. Yeah. So you can get something sourced in the province in which they live typically. Yeah, typically a lot of our producers are within Quebec and Ontario, but we do have some in BC and we have some out on the East Coast. So mm -hmm. does yeah. pricing change depending on who the provider is or is this part of a pre like contract negotiation that say your organization would have with them? It's provider to provider, yeah. Um, there are discounts and stuff that go along with it all. And so uh, it just kind of depends on your income situation, if you're civilian versus veteran. And um, so that makes a difference as well in it. And, um, and then of course, if you're an educator, you get a discount as well, so. <laughs> Perks of the job. <laughs> nice because it's not easy paying out of pocket for it so but it those are all that's all part of the intake is I do like when I'm discussing it with you then I look at you know are you going to be able to afford your prescription and all of those things do you have insurance some insurance companies are just starting to cover cannabis either through a health spending account or depending on what your diagnosis is then you know um, if you're civilian population, you do have to come for our clinic. You have to come in with a doctor's referral. We won't see you otherwise. We want to make sure that your doctor is aware of it and is okay. A lot of doctors, um, that's one of the big deals with patients is they're like, well, I don't really want my doctor to know. But then if you're seriously considering cannabinoid therapy as a patient, I would be like, well, is my doctor okay with it? No, but I still want to go ahead and try it. Well, there's other doctors out there that will prescribe it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, maybe making, a, maybe making a switch would be a better fit for you. Sure. I mean, I can see that some physicians would be averse to prescribing it, just like I had that shock and stigma with yeah. it as well, yeah. right? And so, <laughs> I know, I'm sorry, I did. <laughs> it's okay. We all do. I mean, we all do, right? Like at some point, so... I am actually moving alcohol in the hospitals now, so I think that's great. I think that's yeah. great. <laughs> I mean, when I get to be a senior, I want to have my glass of wine at night, you know. Right. I want to have my glass of wine and I want to smoke my joint and yeah. yeah. Life would be good. I'll be the best senior on the entire ward. Like <laughs> <laughs> you won't be on anti or um you won't be taking any antihypertensives. I won't be on anything. I'll be good. <laughs> All right. You mentioned cost. 
What is it to, and obviously everyone's dosing and treatment plan is different, but what would someone expect to budget for a month? On average, it's between nine and $12 a gram. Okay. That means nothing to me. So how long is that going to last? Market, it's similar to the rec market, but I also think it's a little bit cheaper and the product is grown for medical purposes. So it is clean, clean product. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that the rec market doesn't have clean product, but it, it's, it is better product. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how long does a gram last? Like if I need to smoke or use oil every day, what's that going to last? Typically we write a prescription for three grams per day. So you get okay. uh, 90 grams in a month and you can order that all at once. And hopefully that gets you through the extra, but if you need more then you know, we can prescribe more too. So we're looking at quite a significant investment. Yeah. 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 Do you help facilitate um, paperwork for benefits? Like if they have a little bit. Yeah. If they have questions or whatever, then I can help with that. Mm -hmm. Do you find people are, I mean, maybe they're curious, they've come to you, they've done the assessment. And then when they find out the cost that they are, you know, I guess I can't afford to do this. I'll stick with my Dilaudid or whatever they're taking. Yeah, sometimes it happens. And we have a lot of people that come through and they're on H or other benefits and they're like, I'm sorry. Like, I just don't think I'm going to be able to do it. And I'm like, well, if you can budget like 45 and I, and like some producers are more expensive than others. So if expense is a big deal, then I will try and stick you with somebody that is less expensive. It doesn't mean that their product is less like not as good it's just different lps have different things right and it's the way that they grow them it's the percentage of the thc and the cbd that adds to the cost there's Mm -hmm. all all kinds of contributing factors but um like we've had clients come in and they're on h and i know that h with um with some of their forms they will um cover it but you have to fill out the extra form and they're not going to just say well you fill up this form we're going to give you so you have to do research mm-hmm. um and i don't always know the answers some of the insurance companies won't cover it unless you're a specific diagnosis you know regardless if it's been referred as a as a from the doctors saying that yeah we want this person to get this prescription they're still not covering it which to me is crazy but of course in my own opinion because I'm not going to get myself into trouble. <laughs> um, big pharma will lose their shirts if people start going to cannabis and coming off of their medications. So, you know, I understand where it's coming from in that respect too. Mm-hmm. And insurance companies as well are going to end up having to pay out more. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I imagine it's a slow process, right? We're going to cover these illnesses first let's see what's happening are we actually saving money and then maybe they'll expand it as it goes it's like everything that's new right yeah exactly so um i think over time it's going to become bigger and and i think the other important part is people who are on this therapy they need to be active in their voice and lobby for what they want because otherwise we're, we're always just going to sit here so Mm-hmm. there's definitely more people who use it than I ever knew. Like I'm thinking of my own circle and there's probably three people in like people I know that I talk with on a regular basis that all came out of the woodwork as, as soon as it became legal. And I was like, I had no idea. 
right? And I was like, wow, my mind was blown. Now, I, I, will, I will confess, at some point in my life, I want to try it just to know what it does to me. Just like when I was, you know, you try alcohol, you try smoking. I feel like it's important to know what it does to the body from both a personal perspective and a healthcare perspective. So yeah. one day, I'm going to get a couple friends together. We're going to do one of those videos where the three old ladies try Marijuana. Be careful, don't green out or you'll be calling me and going, what the heck? <laughs> Maybe you'll be there to film it. I don't know. <laughs> I've seen those videos and I definitely want to do one of those. Yeah, and that's part of my job too is, you know, I've always dabbled in it in and out, but now that I'm in as an educator, it's part of my job to kind of know what each of the strains does. And like, just as an example, I work with 20 partnered LPs uh, and that's a licensed producer. I work with 20 LPs. And so to actually have tried all of these strains that they is not going to happen. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I have to have some sense of the word as to what I can recommend and how it affected me, whether or not I liked it, what the flavor of the cannabis was, if it was an oil, you know. So, I mean, I'm my own prescription is with four LPs just because I need to be able to know the variety and I have to switch them up and kind of like give everybody a little bit of love here and there, but <laughs> you know, um, there's lots out there. And so if one doesn't work for you, try it again and see if something else works for you. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, I know you said you're working with the veteran population. So they, well, I guess some of them might still be at work. I was thinking retired vets when I hear veteran yeah, uh, in that's, terms that's, of age, but not in terms of ability. I mean, we can still certainly have a lot of them in the workplace. So what's the, what's the education around cannabis use in workplace? That one is tough right now. Um, obviously with the oil patch industry, there's just a, there's an absolute no tolerance for it. So um, that is always an issue when we're talking about like working and that kind of thing and how you can do it. So I always recommend um, CBD during the daytime. And if there's an absolute no tolerance policy for THC in the, in the system, then I say just stay on CBD. CBD alone, I think everybody should be on CBD, honestly. <laughs> um, it's it's like the Advil of cannabis. That's how I could that's how I could describe it. It's an anti-inflammatory, right? Yeah. So it's great for your. It's an antidepressant as well. So it's great for your mood. It lowers your anxiety. You know, it, you're you're calmer. I can. So far, I've managed this pandemic <laughs> on a lot of CBD oil and a lot of cannabis at night, so I can go to sleep and get up and redo it over again. Because I've had my kids the entire time and I'm homeschooling, and I'm working from home, and I'm the cook, and I'm the nurse, and I'm the entertainer, and I, like I'm wearing all the hats. So yeah. CBD has really been a saving grace in my own life, um, and I know that it's saved a lot of other people's lives, but in terms of work, um, it varies employer to employer, you know, and the LPs, they they're not just growers of cannabis. They are out there lobbying and stuff and trying to make things work so that their patients are able to access their medication like they should be doing and those different kinds of things. So mm -hmm. um, pharmacists, I guess, don't carry this. They really have, they have to get it from the producer. Shoppers does. Oh, some of the, so they are starting to get on board with this. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I had another question about the workplace. 
I'm assuming that when people are on CBD, it's just the same as taking Advil. There's a regular daily dose. It's not once a week. It's not a when you feel you it. It's usually a regular. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so that's what makes the workplace more challenging. Yeah. Um, so usually take CBD when you get up in the morning with a healthy snack. It's got to have some kind of fat in it because it's a fat soluble um, oil. And so the liver needs to process it properly so the body can absorb it and it have its proper effect on the body. Excuse me. And, um, and so we'll, we'll say take it in the morning and then take it again midday or after work depending on what's going on with that particular mm -hmm. person. Yeah. And it comes, like I said, it comes in capsules, it comes in oil. So it's pretty easy to be discreet about it and not have to let everybody know. Obviously with employers, they have no right to ask you for your medical information. So you're protected in that sense of the word when it comes down to it is if they decide to drug test and if you're randomly drug tested um because that's their policy then you know you may show up with a scant amount of thc in the urine because you're consistently on it mm -hmm. um hard to say though yeah like there's no real thing about it so yeah it's definitely challenging times in an emerging field for sure yeah, 100%. And I think after this pandemic, mental health issues are going to skyrocket. And I'm really hoping that people will be looking for other options outside of antidepressants, because there's so many side effects with antidepressants and antipsychotics that um, I think people need to start looking at other options. Right. And understanding what the, the root cause is, you know, I think of, so here's my medical hat coming on now. <laughs> I think of antidepressants and I think of our GABA and I think of our, you know, neurotransmitters and how does morphine or morphine, how does um, medicinal marijuana address those issues? Is, does this, has the science caught up yet? I, th I think it has caught up to a, a certain degree, but of course there's always more and more research being done every day. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's no different with any other pharmaceutical that is out there. They're always doing more things, but they're also saying, well, some of these antidepressants, maybe they weren't as good as they were in the beginning. So like I said, it, there's, there's definitely, it's an emerging industry. It, uh, there's a lot more to learn, um, but there's hundreds of papers being done on it now mm -hmm. and lots of research. So it's good to see. I've actually had a few other LPNs come through my house. We do some CPR training every once in a while and two of them were working in clinics and they were super excited to be a part of this field. And I was really curious and uh, almost would love to take a job in that area just to quench that thirst for knowledge. But I've heard, and you can tell me otherwise, that if you work in that industry, you have a harder time crossing the border. Yes. You've heard that? Have you experienced it yourself? I haven't been able to travel yet since taking this job, but okay. my recommendation would be you work. I can kind of skirt it. <laughs> it may not be till after this podcast, but I can kind of skirt it in that I still have a casual position with Alberta Health Services. And I just tell them I'm a nurse and I won't take my phone with me. I take a burner phone with me. if I have to go. So there's no, I don't take my business cards with me. I don't take anything that would have any correlation to cannabis. 
Right. Because I have heard that once you work in the industry, it's really challenging. Um, you'll get picked up and screened every time you go through. Yep. And there's a good possibility that when I hit the border and they screen my hands and it's going to come up for THC. All right. Well, sure. You need to go into the back room. Then I guess we do that. But this is my job and it's legal yeah. in Canada. And yeah. I have nothing on me right now. And you cannot arrest me or deny me entrance because I use the product. Mm-hmm. So I have nothing. I'm not taking it across the border. So yeah, interesting. So interesting. I wasn't sure if there was any truth to that because I thought, well, everybody has to work. People work in firearms, people work in yeah, all sorts of things. Yeah, I've, I've heard a few stories that they're like, oh, I got stopped at the border. And I'm like, you didn't have your medication on you, did you? And they're like, nope. But they just, I don't know. I'm not sure what the, what alerted them, but I don't say too much when I go through Mm-hmm. yes control. yes no and <laughs> yes no and it's like it's i'll only tell if they ask right so i don't offer up any more information than i have to and i mean coming into the american side of life um there's a lot of things that their government wouldn't agree with me on so i i just leave my phone at home and then there's mm-hmm. nothing Mm-hmm. that they can get me on so Facebook yeah. is another thing like social media and all those kinds of things they could look into if they needed to and they'd be able to find out that yeah I work for medical cannabis company I post freely on LBG, LGBTQ rights all the different kinds of things that some of the states are against and those mm-hmm. kinds of things so mm-hmm. well fascinating is there anything that I haven't asked I mean I probably have more questions as we continue on, but I want to be cognizant of your time. Is there anything? I've got tons of time. <laughs> okay. you got the money, honey. <laughs> Is there anything you think would be important for the listeners? So these are particular people who are interested in nursing as a practice to know about medicinal marijuana. I think as a nurse in general, it's important to branch yourself out into different areas of nursing so that you can treat everybody as a whole that you ever bring into your practice right Mm -hmm. oh I've had experience in geriatrics I've had experience in the operating room I've worked med surge and acute nursing Um, I've worked in community nursing I've worked as an administrator in nursing I've worked as an educator in nursing on different levels so having that vast broadness makes you more employable as a person. I can go out into the community and not necessarily have to be with um, Alberta Health Services because I have such a vast background of nursing. I've, you know, I've worked as a, as an uh, electronic medical records guru. So I know all of the ins and outs of the computer, like all of those kinds of things are what made me employable to the company that I'm with now because they see it as okay well you know she's got a vast background she can speak to it Mm -hmm. all we have to do is insert this little bit of education and the other thing is is and I'm not any different excuse me um is researching your everything that you ever wanted to know about cannabis how to make gummies how to make the edibles what actually happens when you take um, cannabis in the body? How does it affect the different systems in the body? All of those things. What is, what, how is cannabis made up? And what are the different things that we're focusing on medicinally? Um, read, read, read. Like you cannot educate yourself enough mm-hmm. about it. So mm-hmm. that's important. 
is there, okay, maybe think of a clinical question. So I'm going back to the people now who have been patients, who have disclosed that they take cannabis. And then I think of people who um, request PRN morphine. You know, it's a kind of an on-demand thing. Is cannabis the same or is it more efficient when it's structured in terms of timelines? Um, it's the same thing. It can be structured or it can be as needed. So normally what I typically like to do with patients is get them on a really good oil regime. Oil is like your edibles though, and that you take, there's a longer onset, but there's also a longer duration. Whereas if you're using the actual plant and smoking or vaping it, then you it's within seconds but the duration is only up to four hours so i, I imagine, use i sorry i imagine they can't smoke or vape in the hospital so they probably have to transition to something different yeah so that's why it's important to be on oil because you've always got it it's like not chasing pain right we always want to be ahead of pain well you always want to be ahead of your symptoms so if you're always on oil and you're always taking your oil then you've always got something in your body and you're not chasing it. And I use flour for breakthrough. That's your PRN morphine, right? Mm -hmm. And okay. so it's just, a, it's, there's no book. Like in nursing, it was hammered into us like, here's your medication. This is what it does on the body. This is your set dose. This is how many times you can prescribe it. Yeah. With cannabis, there's, they, we don't have that book. So, and I, it's been a bit of a struggle for me to break my brain of that and be like, okay, so I have this oil. I know that this is what's in the oil. I know this is what's good for. Now we just got to figure out the proper treatment plan and routine. And that's always part of my intake is like, hey, it may not work the way we have it set out here, but play with it a little bit and figure out what works better for you and your life, right? When is the tipping point from medicinal to addiction? It's like, how would I know if my patient is high beyond the point of needing more? You know, like I'm thinking of that PRN morphine. I have my assessments. Yeah, CBD, you will never, ever, you can take as much CBD as you want. Um, in terms of THC, you have to be a little more careful with it, but person is going to be like, they'll become anxious. The world is spinning out of control. They'll know that they don't feel good, right? They were feeling good and now we've got too much and we're not feeling good. But the way to counteract that is just to remain calm and eat citrus or drink a big glass of orange juice because that actually counteracts the THC or a big dose of CBD, that'll counteract it as well. But you're not gonna die from it. Like if I was to give you too much morphine, I'd be worried about respiratory failure and all the other things that go along with that, right? Mm -hmm. This is more of a, okay, so I've greened out. My world is out of control. <laughs> you call that greened out? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I've greened out. My world's out of control. I don't like this anymore. And we've anybody that has used cannabis has done it. We've all done it once or twice in our life. And some people, they, you know, when you have to be careful is like, if you have a mental health history of schizophrenia or, or you know, bipolar disorder, a major depressive disorder, then you kind of have to be careful and make sure that it's not going to trigger a psychosis. Mm -hmm. Um. And so that's what we look for. You have to be a little more careful with it. But 
it's not going to be the end of the world. You're not going to die from it. Absolutely. There's been people in the emergency departments and they're like, well, you just took too much cannabis. Just go home and sleep it off. That's always what the doctor's going to say in the end. Hmm. So, whereas if it's like, I took too much of an opiate. Okay. Well, where's the Narcan? And now we got to worry about your respiratory and everything else. So, yeah, that's been fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing and giving me a, a little mini lesson on medicinal marijuana. <laughs> I appreciate you taking this time today to talk with us. You're most welcome. It was great to talk to you. Thank you for listening to Frontline Nursing. We can be found on Spotify and Anchor for your podcasts. And on NurseMinder YouTube station, you can also get the audio version of the initial interview. Now, if you have a story you'd like to share, please email me at info at Use the headline Frontline Nursing. We would love to share your story.